Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, what's up, everyone? Ryan Sykes filling in for Scott Kinville as your host for today, but we have a great show for you lined up anyway. Before we get started, just wanted to remind you that you can find us on Twitter at hockey underscore royalty and also royalty underscore pod. You can find me personally uh, to yell at uh, at Ryan <laughs> underscore Sykes 10 on Twitter. Uh, like I said, we got a great show for you today. Riding along with me, I have Mr. Russell Morgan, how are we doing today, Russ? I'm doing good, doing good. Yeah, there's this uh, weird thing happening out in Southern California where there's uh, water falling from the sky. Are you not crying? Too many people. Yeah, <laughs> probably from that game last night, but uh, <laughs> no, nah, but yeah, it's a little different out here. Yeah, and also with us, we have uh, a very special guest. Uh, you may know him from the Making It Rain podcast, but uh, Joe Paterino joining us today. How are you doing, Joe? Very good, Ryan. Appreciate the invite. How are you guys doing? Awesome. Yeah, this is like a, mm-hmm. uh, a Chicago Fire, Chicago PD crossover. <laughs> <laughs> we have some. We have some of that wet stuff falling as well out here in the East Coast, but it's kind of sticking to the ground and turning white. So you probably don't have to deal with that, Russ. No, definitely yeah, not. Yeah, us too. Us too in Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, so yeah, the big news coming out of today, uh, world juniors canceled fellas. What was your reaction to that? Sucks. <laughs> that was really, yeah, that was really the first thing. I mean, it, it's weird because I don't know. It's just like the last couple of days, you've just kind of been seeing like all this stuff happening. Just like, you're like, it's like little things just building to like the inevitable that you knew eventually was going to happen where cancellation just, it just had to happen. And, with the way COVID went almost last year, you kind of figured, okay, were they going to be able to do it this again this year? And I kind of actually make it as smooth. And you're almost kind of appreciative about how well they were able to make last year's happen without much, like, I guess, problems. Um, but this year it was just, man, I mean, I just didn't see a way for it to continue, especially with the way you see the NHL is going right now and or had been going through the last couple of weeks. So, I mean, it's just unfortunate and you just, 
you got to feel for the kids, really, all the players who are really kind of looking forward to it. And I mean, especially like, I mean, Caden Gooley, who's a captain of Canada, uh, Owen Power, who's probably going to be his last year. And then especially like Helga Grant from a, a Kings perspective, who this was his first IHF event. So this is really his first time to play for Sweden. And I know they've been talking about trying to postpone it and maybe having it during the summer, which I hope that happens, but we'll see. We'll see. Just hope. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it's not surprising, I guess, but part of me is wondering just, and maybe it was just easier said than done to just not even have it to begin with, but seeing how everything was going at the NHL, it, it just seemed that if they were going to kind of cancel it with these cases that have come up, you had to expect that these were going to happen. So it did, it just didn't seem like it was very well planned. And again, it's easier for me to say from my couch, I suppose it was late in the game. There was probably no way that they could can it, but to anticipate it, to expect it, to hope that it was going to go through without any cases and you could just skate through this thing. It just seemed like a pretty big gamble. But uh, at the end of the day, it sucks. Like you said, Russ, I agree. It's, it's a fun tournament. It, it's, it sucks for the players. Um, you know, some of the Kings uh, prospects were off to good starts. So, uh, it's too bad, and and but hopefully uh, you know we'll be able to get something scheduled for the summer or later in the year if they're able to. Well, and what I want to know is why they had these players in the team hotels sharing it with the public. Like <laughs> there was that tweet today that um, there was one one of the hotels had a wedding reception. And yeah. To me, if you're going to try to make it as close to, uh, I'll say a bubble, but obviously it's not a bubble. Um, you know, what are we doing here? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. If, they, Like I said, I just didn't seem like they had a, a from the outside, a, a legitimate plan in place to to combat this. Or They just were rolling the dice yeah. and say, let's just hope for the best is, is what it seemed. Um, and it's unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you kind of hit the nail on the head, you, um, Joey, when you're talking about it. I mean, it's easier for us to say it from the outside looking in, but we don't really we don't really see everything going on around Edmonton or Red Deer, but yeah, with everything that you hear about, like that wedding going on, it's like okay, well, last year was just it, it just seemed like it went off without a hitch. I mean, why didn't we just kind of go back to those kind of that kind of almost bubble that they had? Um, so it's just it's just really unfortunate. And they've been, they've been talking about trying to postpone it. I know Luke Tardy, the president of IIHF, talked today about possibly trying to reschedule it for. Um, later in the summer, he said, give us a month. So it's going to be an important month. I mean, I know arms were raised with the uh, U18s for the women. So I know they're, they're going to have um, their hands full with trying to reschedule that too. So now with the World Juniors, which is really their main source of income or revenue for the IIHF, that's something that I don't know if they can really afford to not go on. For two weeks, I understand not wanting to go to a bubble for a full NHL season. Like that, that's a bit extreme. I can acknowledge that. But mm-hmm. for a couple of week tournament like this, you mentioned how last year seemed to go off without a hitch. It, it just it again hindsight's twenty twenty. But it yeah. just would have been. I'd rather have had the tournament than have what happened. But what are you going to do? Yeah, and yeah. something that a question that immediately popped into my mind. You know, when we talk about this being moved to the summer is these players that will have aged out. Sure. Are they still qualified to play? And Corey Promen of the athletic answered that question in one of the media chats. Yes, they will still be eligible to play. So all the players that were invited will be invited back to um, if, and when 
this gets rescheduled. So I'm looking yeah, forward to that. One thing that'll be interesting, I saw that too. It'll be interesting. I mean, you got to look at what about players that test positive before then, if that's, if let's say, like, let's hope that's not going on, but let's say COVID's still happening in summertime. What if a player tests positive? Because, I mean, you look at the Finn squad, um, Atu Ratu, who was one of their main centermen coming in the season, couldn't even participate because he tested positive before the season started. You also got to look at what if there's injuries to players that aren't able to participate? Are they able to fill in that spot? So, I mean, there's a, obviously a lot of variables that have to go on for this to happen. But, I mean, you just kind of – I mean, we all just hope that they are able to reschedule and are able to continue. But, I mean, are they – do they – start from game one again do they continue and sure. yeah a lot of questions i'm glad i'm not making those decisions yeah, exactly <laughs> i mean you you kind of it's like you think about like with the ihf the nhl <laughs> schedule makers i mean there's so i do not envy some of these jobs that are going on right now right? not at all not yeah. at all and let me ask you this i'm going to preface it with four positive cases among 250 players two in the u.s camp one in Czechia, and I believe the other one was in Russia's. Mm-hmm. Did the IIHF, excuse me, if I can talk, <laughs> have a knee-jerk reaction to this whole thing? Well, that it kind of goes back to what I said before. If they were thinking they were going to cancel it, if they knew ahead of time, if we have a handful of cases, we're canceling this thing, I think it was naive to even go forward with it. Um, so... I, I, that's why I don't know if it was knee-jerk. I think it, they must have had this set in stone. They said, listen, if we get a handful, we're going to be worried that it sparks a, a forest fire and we're just canning it. But to think that you were going to go through the tournament without getting uh, some cases, I think is is a crazy thought. So I don't know if it was knee-jerk, but I, I don't know that it was. it made a whole lot of sense either. I think that what, what he was – or what they were really worried about is – let's say you have Canada, USA, Sweden, and Finland in the top four, two of those teams go down to COVID. What happens then? I mean, do you just have the two teams that are left play for the finals? And it's kind of like a, oh well, consolation yeah. trophy. Here you go. But, and, and that's kind of what we're seeing in the NCAA football right now. You see all these bowl games that yeah. are being canceled. I mean, especially out here in Southern California where the UCLA bowl game, just got canceled in San Diego. I know some people that were planning to make a trip out of it. And then all of a sudden found out the day of that it got canceled. It's like, I mean, we're all kind of living in this world of very, all these variables that are going on day by day. So I think for it to be knee jerk. Yeah. It seems knee jerk right now Four positive cases out of all the players that are playing, but you have to look at it like down the line, further down the tournament, when it gets to like, the important medal rounds, you can't really have teams just not being able to play in these metal games. So I, I think it was the right decision to make right now. But if you had known all the, if I mean, you had to kind of figure that the positive cases were eventually going to happen. Right. Why even have the tournament in the first place? So I think that's kind of the question everyone has. Yeah. And doesn't it kind of make you question how the Olympics are going to go? I, granted, they're going to have a five-week quarantine, but still. I have I, no idea how they're pulling that off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, if you're an NHL player and you want to go, I mean, you, you're part of a a bigger picture here. Like, all right, we can all talk about Brad Marchand, who had that that really kind of nice statement that he released the other day, talking about the NHL and the NHLPA about then you really need to talk to the players. But it's like, 
okay, but you're, you're, it's not just you guys. I mean, you're, you're part of a business here. I mean, the NHL is a business first and foremost. I get you're an individual of a player that wants to represent his country and some players that hasn't, haven't even gotten the chance to do so. Like Carmen McDavid, he hasn't even played in the Olympics, but you got to look at the, you're representing Edmonton or you're representing the Kings, for example, anybody. So that that's a little bit more that's a little bit different yeah. especially when you're traveling all the way across the country going to china and you're gonna have to quarantine for five weeks i just i just didn't see it being feasible for them to well, pull that off yeah like you said i mean it it sucks as fans and certainly i'm sure as players but if you take a step back and kind of put yourself in the management or ownership group of the kings as you said or any team and say i really don't want to send my top players um in this situation, it just doesn't make a lick of sense for the team that I own or the team that I manage or whatever it is, who's ever making that call. So yeah, you, I think you have to take that step back and look at it kind of objectively without that emotion of a fan. Um, I, I Listen, I want to see the players there too, but um, I can't blame owners uh, for not wanting to send their guys over. I mean, we also got to be reasonable too. We're, were we all going to be waking up at three four o'clock in the morning for no. some yes. I mean, I probably would have, but I guess, I mean, maybe not all fans. I, I most likely would have, but yeah, I mean, you're coming off a year too, where you played almost a 56 game season without any fans. I mean, where's the revenue from there? Then you're, what if you have send NHL players off to China that get come back, get hurt, then your team's, then your team's suffering from it. I mean, it's, it's just, it's just really an unfortunate time that we're living in. And we're just trying to kind of, figure it out as we go it seems like yep yeah and something to keep an eye on guys i mean the early chatter is i saw a tweet uh brock Faber could be wearing the red white and blue in beijing yeah i've heard about that too that you're probably going to look at some collegiate players that aren't under nhl contracts probably getting a look over there so well that's kind of what i see now too is what do these rosters look like now that there's no nhl guys maybe we still see some of these intriguing players that could have been playing for um some of the world junior teams over there who knows um which would be fun in in, in and of itself mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yep absolutely so keep an eye on that but back to i guess la king's talk you know we had a game last night uh king's played their <laughs> I remember watching something on my TV. There were a lot of goals scored. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I think it was, what, their first game in, like, nine days or something like that. Kings lose 6-3 uh, at the newly renamed Crypto.com Arena. Um, I guess, what were your initial takeaways from that game, Russ? Yeah, it was just almost like it, it didn't seem like a Kings kind of game. I mean, I mean okay, we can talk about they haven't played a game in however many days. I mean, you have Drew Doughty, who's kind of still getting his legs underneath him. I think that was his first game in a couple of weeks. Um, so there were still a lot of kind of things getting figured out. They had only had like one and really a half and a morning skate in terms of practice. So I think McClellan mentioned that at the end of the, at, in the post-game presser. But it, it was just like when I'm watching that game, I'm, I'm thinking like, man, Vegas is that good, and they're going to get Jack Eichel back. In, in certain, in <laughs> they were also teams. missing like several key and, players. Petrangelo yeah, was out. Leonard was out. Stone was out. It's just <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. It's just like you see the talent gap there, but it, it just didn't seem like a, a typical Kings hockey game. The defense, there were multiple defensive lapses. I mean, the Kempe goal was nice. Sean Dursey threw a nice pass over to Ayafalo. That was beautiful, but 
there, it was just like, what is going on here? And it was just like chaos erupted and it almost seemed like they were just kind of using it as like a warm up game to get ready for the rest of the season. I don't know. What do you guys, what do you think, Joe? Well, I, I think, I think there's something to it. And I, I don't know. I'm not the one that, that loves making excuses or anything like that, but I think there's something to the long layoff like that. And I think if I'm not mistaken, Vegas was able to get um, a game or two in at least a lot sooner than, than LA was, if I'm not mistaken, but um, they, I don't know. It, they're a team that it looked very helter skelter, right? It didn't look like mm-hmm. there was any that they, like you said, it wasn't a very Kings game. They're, at the very least, they they tend to look a little bit organized, um, and they just didn't get anything going. You thought maybe after the Kempe goal in the first period they could kind of settle in a bit, but obviously that didn't happen, mm-hmm. uh, and they were just a little bit all over the place. And and I don't, I don't know. I think that there there can be something to the layoff. Um, at the end of the day, and you alluded to it, that there's a, there's a talent gap there. Um, even though we're missing some guys, there there is a gap. I mean, not for nothing, the Kings had a rookie making his debut as second line center last night. That wasn't Phil Deneau. That was Alex Turcott. So it, it got thin. It gets thin pretty quickly when you do that. So that's a, that's I, I think when you lose a guy like Deneau out of the lineup, that that's a big blow to, to the roster. And I think that you kind of saw a little bit of that the last couple of games, really. Um, it, it's big not having him there. That's a big loss. Yeah, there's no doubt. And, I mean, the early reports are that he's a game-time decision against Vancouver tomorrow. So uh, we'll see if he slots back into his normal 2 C position. Um, I guess staying with Vegas, though, uh, I mean, you mentioned the clear talent gap. The Kings just had so many turnovers that, and, and Vegas, they didn't play perfect by any stretch uh, either. But, you know, they got all these players on their team. You know, Jonathan March is so 31 years old that <laughs> just kind of like breaking out uh, a late bloomer. Um, what do you have? Mm-hmm. The sixth goal of the game on that dowdy turnover right in front of the crease. But yeah. they were just kind of able to come overcome their own sloppiness with just their pure talent. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And like you mentioned, Joe, it's when the Kings, you kind of see the depth of the lack of depth that the Kings really have in terms of top tier NHL talent. I mean, when you have a player like Phil Deneau go down, I know, I know he was, he wasn't playing in a couple of those games in the road trip and the Kings were able to sustain some good momentum um, throughout that trip. But coming back, I mean, you kind of, you just see the, the lack of center depth right now. I mean, especially with Quentin Byfield still out and Alex Turcott just getting his first game. It's just like when you, you just go back to like, when are these kids going to keep coming? When are these kids going to come in? Cause you want to kind of accelerate this, this end of the rebuild. Cause you have these almost, I, I don't want to say filler players, but you, you just know they're there. You see them. I mean, I don't want to name names, but, Passengers, you, you called it, right? Yeah, that's... exactly. I called them passengers <laughs> last night, and that's and that's kind of what they are. Because I mean, let's be honest with ourselves. I mean, the Kings aren't going to be a bona fide playoff contender when they have these players in the lineup. And that's just not that's just not the case. And and you know that there's talent coming up on Ontario, so you're kind of just waiting for that talent to kind of get their feet wet, so they can make that next leap. And that's why when you see Alex Turcotte make his debut, it wasn't just about Turcotte. It was really about almost like a changing of the guard almost or yeah, like almost turning a new leaf and that was kind of what and that's kind of why i got excited for it because you're not just getting excited for turka it's like almost like okay well the gate is open now kids are coming in 
Quentin Byfield's going to be coming back soon. Let's who knows? Maybe he can be coming back for Thursday. I, I don't see that happening, but maybe we see him on this on this homestand. But it's just we got to get these kids coming in the lineup so they can get their feet wet. So that way they're making that jump into the NHL and they can feel comfortable playing NHL hockey. Well, I think that the Kings are in a – I've thought this for a bit and I've maybe had a hard time kind of articulating it, but I think that they're in a weird spot because they have these top-end – and they have like an Andre Kopitar, Drew Doughty, still playing at such a high level. Obviously, Jonathan Quick has, has found the fountain of youth this season. <laughs> so they have these, these top, top, top guys. And then there was a lot of kind of – some of these quote unquote filler players that we've seen a couple step up. Like Kempe's had a big year. I follows had a nice year, but I follows all he brings a different element anyways, that he's such a well-rounded player that yeah. he's good regardless, but they were missing that, that bridge to you either play those kids when maybe you're maybe not, they're ready, or you have these, these filler players to buy you some time. But by the time those kids are maybe ready, well, now you're two, three years further for Andre Kopitar, Drew Doughty, Jonathan Quick. And by exactly. the time Alex Turcotte's ready or Quentin Byfield is ready to be an impact mm-hmm. 2C or top six forward, you might be you might have like a one-year window with mm-hmm. with those top guys still. So I think that's where they, they may have missed – I don't want to say missed the boat, but by, by not kind of forcing the likes of some of these guys into the lineup earlier um, – you run into what you're running into this year. And I've, I've said it on making it rain that I just didn't know that Alex Turcotte needed to be called up. That's not to say I didn't want him to, but the Kings clearly wanted the likes of Leah Anderson, Carl Grundstrom, uh, Trevor Moore. They, they re-signed Athena C. They, they, they value these players to where those are the guys that are going to be blocking what's coming. And if you're okay with that, there's no from a, from an asset management standpoint, the Kings were never going to just dump those guys and no. send them off. I, I just don't see it. It's a situation like we're having injury, COVID, whatever, for some of these guys to get called up. Um, so, but it puts them in a tight spot, and I think that's part of the reason they went out and got Dano and Arvidsson. Is it does help to bridge that that kind of age difference there between the top end, the Kopitars and the Byfield slash Turcots, if you will. Um, so we'll see. I'm interested to see how it shakes out when Byfield gets back um, and where the likes of a Turcot falls. Um, does he stay up? He's, is he going to play center? Is he going to play wing? Um, you know, there's a whole slew of, of things that could go on here, but it's an interesting spot. The Kings are in with their roster. Yeah. And I mean, we've kind of, we've said his name, several times now uh, now let's solely focus on him um uh, what did you guys think of alex turcott's debut i mean he's trotted out there for the opening face-off of the game he wins the face-off he won his first three <laughs> face-offs of the game mm-hmm. um made the score sheet with his first penalty maybe not the maybe not the way that you want to make the score sheet but uh, i believe it was like a hooking penalty or something like that but um i think he had three shots on goal minus one uh, very low time on ice, I noticed. So it'll be interesting mm-hmm. to see if he gets an uptick on that tomorrow, Thursday, whenever you guys listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I thought Turcotte played a, a pretty good game. I mean, you when we talk about Alex Turcotte, we we kind of seen him, him his play uh, during an Ontario. He's he's not that flashy goal scoring type player. He's that two hundred foot energetic player, and that's exactly what we saw throughout the game. He, he was really noticeable on the ice when he, he was playing. I mean, you saw the plays he was making. He was constantly uh, 
poor checking. He was constantly um, pressuring the puck carrier on the on the Golden Knights. So I thought it was a really good game for him. I mean, if fans are looking for Alex Turcotte to be that kind of sniper or playmaker, that's kind of really not what he is. He's a four checker who's going to create plays and be solid defensively. And I thought, I mean, he had a few defensive lapses. I mean, he had that one where he went and pick up his stick when in the defensive zone. Yeah. And he won't do that next time. But yeah, I thought, and I thought that was a pretty good debut, I guess, for in a game where your team loses six to three. And that seems to be the kind of rite of passage now for Kings making their debuts. If you go back to Sean Derby's game. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, you know, first and foremost, that's a tough spot, right? He's coming in. There's been this long layoff that the teams, all a lot of teams are all sorts of, of chaos going on with COVID and he's thrown in to play one of the best teams in the league. It's a tough spot. And, and as 2C, you're not really getting eased into it um, as a second center. So that said, I, I think you hit the nail on the head, Russ. Like this has to come down. I think it's going to come down to expectations and what people have. And I think if exactly. – if, you know, you have the fifth overall pick, and and I just don't know if if fans are expecting, and maybe the reason that everybody's been, you know, you know, pounding the desk to get him called up is we have this, you know, prized, you know, premium prospect, goal scorer, sniper, playmaker, whatever you want to call it, and you know, I don't, I agree, he's not that, he hasn't been that in Ontario, and that's not to say he's been a bad player. He's a he's been a very solid two two way player in Ontario. I think he's been fine. Um, and I think, as you alluded to, we started to see a lot of those that that element of his game yesterday. I think he's the type of player that probably a lot of the, his his kind of best plays that maybe go unnoticed. You know, he may make a, a quiet play in the defensive zone or a sneaky play off the wall in the neutral zone type of thing. Um, a tip play in the offensive like there just might be some little things that he does that that kind of go are, are a bit more subtle rather than some of the flashier things with with you know silky hands or anything like that and I think I had even made a note uh, early in the season I think he had scored a goal he had scored a, had a stretch where a couple of his goals were all like within three feet of the net I, I think that could be where a lot of his production comes from and mm-hmm. you know it just I think the expectation has to be at a certain level rather than we're getting because solely because he was a fifth overall pick doesn't mean he's going to be a 90 point guy with, you know, with all this, these highlights. I, I don't know that that's a fair expectation. Uh, so I think that's where it's going to come down to whether or not you are happy with Turcotte or whether you're not is where your expectations lie with him. I think a lot of the expectations have been, um, I'll say heightened because of the oh, players that were addressed. the word. He's going to say the zebras. Zebras. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, you're totally right. But I think a lot of that you see. Uh, I think he he was. Well, I know for a fact he was the last member of the 2019 top 10 draft picks to make his NHL NHL debut. Um, I he, I have to look it up, but I, he may have even been in the top 20 uh, to make his debut. Wow. Um, but my point being is, you know, when you see all these other players get called up, Philip Roberg and Edmonton, um, <laughs> Zegras. <laughs> there I said Todd it. Todd Colson, who's playing pretty good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You see all these other guys around him that the Kings may have had, you know, a chance at drafting as well. And Turcotte's still buried in the minors. I say that loosely because he's been hindered by injuries yeah. uh, to this point. It- you know. Two things. I would say, sorry, I would say there's two things. Like he's hindered by injury, but again, he has a team, has a, has a, a management team 
that that has maintained their keeping the likes of you know Leah Anderson. They resigned Athens to you, and let's say these are like bad players necessarily, but they had the choice of okay, we cannot bring back some of these guys. We have this crop of forwards. Are we going to throw them to the fire and let's see who sinks or swims? Or are we going to really take our time and ease them in and we're going to keep these kind of veteran guys around? They made the choice to keep the veteran guys. And now, I don't know enough. I haven't. I can't say if Anaheim did the same thing or they just said, screw it, we're bringing these kids up, you know, or, or with Vancouver, screw it, we're bringing these kids up. So um, I think that that there's there's in addition to the injuries there's also the team in front of him has kind of maybe intentionally blocked him to to slow play his development a bit and i think that has to go about what type of player alex turcott is and i think it's just because he's not that individualistic skill type player since he is more of that 200 foot player they kind of want to give him more seasoning and and even to, but todd McClellan mentioned uh, in the practice the other day that we probably would see Turcotte in the NHL if they hadn't signed Phil Deneau, um this sure. offseason. So, I mean, Kapari's early season yeah, success. Yeah, and, yep. and we've talked about that on previous pods that there's just this roadblock when you draft player, the best players available, you're going to have positions that are just blocked right now, and that's where we see at the Kings. But it, when we talk about when we talk about the play the kids movement that's going on, I don't, I'm not expecting Alex Turcotte or any of these prospects to just be thrust into the NHL and start scoring hat-trick goals every night. And, and I just, you just kind of hope that they get that, their feet wet and get that NHL experience. That way, let's say next year, they already have those games under their belt. And, and that's why when, when, since I'm living in Southern California, you, I hear about the Anaheim Ducks all the time. And the <laughs> Ducks just kind of, like you said, Joe, they just threw those players into the fire. Jamie Drysdale had one of the worst defensive metrics in the NHL last season. Yeah. They didn't care. Give them a few years. <laughs> they knew what they were going to happen. They knew what type of team they were. So, and that's kind of what's disappointing about the Kings right now because you have these filler players, these passengers that I call them, that it's just like, are they, are, are you guys really going for the playoffs? Because it doesn't really seem like that's the case with the players that you're trotting out there. Why not just play those kids, give them that experience so that way come next season, you have those games in other belt where they can make that next step and start producing more on the box score. And that's kind of what we're, that's kind of like the dilemma that the Kings are in right now. If they make the playoffs this year, there'll be a one and done. And then you're going to expect the young kids to just pick up and, and without having gotten their feet wet, perhaps. Uh, and so you're going to have to wait a little bit longer. So, yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I think, you know, not to beat the dead horse, but it, it's just like a, a I just don't know why they just didn't say we're going to play. We're going to, we have all these forwards. Let's just get them going and get their feet wet. It may not work this year, but the playoff expectation maybe shouldn't have been set right away. You know, you bring in the Deneau, you bring in the Arvidsson, you sprinkle the kids around. And if it works great, if not, you, they've got a year under their belt and we're high rolling into next year. Yeah, exactly. And you, you have, you have Deneau and Arvidsson signed for a few more years. You can build right. that chemistry with these young players. So that way they can, build on it going into the next few seasons, kind of like what they did with Braden Shen and Wayne Simmons and all those players before they traded them off, obviously, but just throw them into the fire and kind of get their feet wet. I mean, I think if you ask like a Kings fan, would you rather lose games with young kids playing or would you rather just win games two to one with players like, like a Grunstrom or Lazad or, or Trevor Moore playing? Oh, his name and names. 
yeah, yeah here we go. but no i mean it's just like okay where do you stand on that it's like, we know that that youth movement is coming and you're just kind of waiting for it to happen my concern is like i said earlier is that just by the time the kids are ready the big guns are are on the on too 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 far on the back nine to where it's they're going to be exactly. as impactful as they should be exactly and we're kind of almost seeing the sunset right now dustin brown yeah, who knows? maybe maybe andre kopitar happens i mean he's still he's still producing i think he's still playing really good hockey jonathan quick is having a renaissance year <clears throat> who really knows about cal peterson can he find his form again he's been activated hopefully we see him playing back soon i would expect him to come in on saturday but yeah, like I think you hit it right in the, the nail right on the head, Joe. I mean, you got to have these young kids coming in before those those uh, more veteran players start to kind of fade away. Yep. So I guess you kind of segued it perfect, Russ. So looking at looking ahead to tomorrow's game against Vancouver, the rematch of December sixth game, four um, nothing loss in Vancouver. Bruce Boudreaux's first. Um, team or first game with the team excuse me and they've rattled off six wins since then including the pause um so i guess what are you guys looking for uh, i mean the vancouver's playing tonight they're going to be playing their first game after the long layoff they're playing in anaheim um so whenever anyone listens to this we'll see how they do in that one um but you just kind of hope that the kings just kind of shook off the cobwebs it's kind of like okay they're ready to go we'll see what happens with Dano. unfortunately it seems like the way that the kings lined up in practice today it seems like if if Dano's in turcott would be out which i think would just be i don't want to say it's a bad move but it's just you think shift down to the third line no it sounds like kapari's gonna draw in if 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 he because he's been activated too so it sounds like he would draw in if he's um gonna be playing so i wonder if they would play one of them along the wing I, and that's what I was thinking too. When you had Turcot, uh, he was practicing alongside, kind of on that second line where he was yeah. uh, last night. Why not just play him when Trevor Moore spot and slide Moore down? I, we've talked. We've I mean, kind if, of, we're, if we're gonna name names, I mean, Leah Anderson, guys, come on. Let's. I, I know that let's experience. Be, let's that be real with ourselves. Kinda, yeah, yeah. This, it, I mean, it was a good experience, experiment while, while it lasted, but you you're just not really seeing much out of him right now. But yeah. It, but I don't know. It's it's the long layoff. We'll see how the Kings react in this next game, and then it's kind of, I'm having a lot of optimism. So expecting a good game. Yeah, I'm certainly more optimistic than I would have been coming off that layoff going against uh, uh, Vegas. Um, and it's, it'll help that um, Vancouver's on a back to back. I don't know who's in net tonight for Vancouver. If it's Demko or if he's going to get the Kings tomorrow. But um, you know, that, there's a drop off there. But I, you know, as you kind of asked the question, Russ, or maybe it was Ryan, I don't know where, where this goes with Kirkot if, if he's just up and he's out because he was solely there to replace um, Deneau or if they're going to find a way to get him into the lineup. Again, uh, at this point, if he's here, let's try to find a way to play him. I don't know if they're – it looks like, looks like they're going to stick with Kupari, um, which is okay. I, I think he's been fine, uh, Kupari. I, I think – the, the rubber's going to hit the road at some point when Byfield gets back, obviously, and then you have Kopitar, Dano, and Byfield, and then it becomes a real question of, is Blake Lazat still your fourth-line center, um, or are you going to ride with some of these other guys? Um, so it's a lot of interesting decisions to be made, that's for sure. But I'm, 
I would suspect that the rust has been dusted off of uh, of the lineup from last night, and uh, I expect a much better performance tomorrow. Something that I'm kind of watching, guys, Jonathan Quick. He's expected to get the start tomorrow night. Mm-hmm. Um, gave up five goals, 15 shots against Vegas. If you also look back to his last start before the pause, he also gave up five goals against Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um kind of gone through these stretches the last couple of years where he gets stuck in it's like this month of like poor play and he can't get out of it. And, you know, before that he gave up, I looked at it before we started this, he gave up six goals uh, earlier this season. But other than that, it's been twos and threes, you mm-hmm. know, I want to see how he bounces back uh, from a, it wasn't all his fault. The defense in front of him was not very good. Uh, against Vegas, but I, I want to see how Jonathan Quick bounces back. Yeah, yeah definitely. I'm sure, I'm sure he, yeah, and we could talk about it. Most of those goals weren't Quick's fault whatsoever. I mean, if you ask him, I'm sure he'd tell you otherwise that he probably could have stopped all of them, but I mean, Mikey Anderson had a really rough first period. I mean, he just kind of looked lost out there <laughs> on a couple shifts. Drew Doughty had that really bad turnover, and I'm sure he'd tell you the same thing. Um, but yeah, it's just, hopefully the team kind of shook those cobwebs off and they're ready to go against a team like Vancouver who's really playing really well under Boudreaux and has kind of been the story of the NHL before the, the little break that kind of took place. So we'll see how Vancouver plays tonight. I think Demko's in net tonight for, for Vancouver against Anaheim. So we'll see who they have in net tomorrow. But yeah, it's just, it's, it, isn't it weird that it just seems like this is, we're only 31 games into the season. Doesn't it feel like we should be like 60 or 70 yeah. games in already? It's, it's strange. It's been like a, the longest season already. And we're not even, yeah, I, we're not I, even I, in January. I know. I know. And the thing to remember with quick, you know, listen, guys, he's 35 years old. Yeah. I mean, I'm 36 uh, and I know I'm not a professional athlete, but at some point father time catches up with you. And on a certain <laughs> level, I can attest to that. So like, <laughs> there's a reason that Cal Peterson was signed and brought into this extension. Like, you know, I think a lot of us expected Peterson to take this job over. Yeah. And, obviously yeah. hasn't. and that's full marks to quick. He's been awesome. But I think it's fair to expect a guy who – you know, we'll see how many years he has left that he's going to run through some stretches of rough play. You know, he's not 25 anymore. So I, I think it's, it's, you have to kind of expect that. Uh, you hope that you can get some, some good play behind him. Uh, obviously Sparks filled in adequately and he played a great game in Washington. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, I think just to be honest, like Peterson's got to be better. Um, the rest of the way because you may see much more i mean i know quick they've been splitting most of the time but quick did start to get you know a lot of the lion's share yeah, toward the like five uh, the in last a row or something like that yeah which was again deserved you know if you're trying to win, win games i don't, don't blame mcclellan whatsoever and and peterson's gonna have to earn some of that time back but he's gonna need to do it for this team to be competitive because it's not going to be fair to, to expect quick to to carry the load uh for as much as he as much as he has this last month or so. Yeah, I'm, I'm really glad you mentioned that because a lot of these games that Jonathan Quick has really been over, outperforming what all of our expectations were is almost kind of like been like a bonus to what we expected exactly. him coming into the season. And I mean, if he was playing for a team like, like the Rangers or the Penguins or the Flyers, he'd be the talk of the NHL for the season. He'd be the number one Benzino uh, yep. candidate right now. So, and, and then... <laughs> 
to have the the way that Cal Peterson's been playing, it's almost like okay, well, you gotta you gotta play up to that contract that you signed in the offseason, and we're just kind of waiting for that to happen. And hopefully, that does happen later on in the year. Yeah, well, I mean, he should probably expect to get a, his first start back against the Flyers on Saturday. So uh, we'll see how that goes. But mm-hmm. um, I think that'll pretty much wrap it up for us, unless you guys have anything else. No, I'm good. I mean, yeah, hopefully uh can better game on Thursday or tomorrow or today, yep. whenever you guys are listening to it. Whenever you guys listen to it, <laughs> Thursday's fine. Yeah. Saturday, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm with you. Uh, I'm I'm just I'm interested to see and intrigued to see what happens with the lineup the rest of the way. Obviously, Ontario is in action uh, in Bakersfield tonight, so go catch the rest of that one. And uh, and yeah, hopefully there's a better performance against Vancouver Thursday. Yeah, and it sounded like the Kings kind of per McClellan. It sounded like they kind of worked out some of the details that were needed, um, you know, strictly through video in today's yeah. practice. So uh, he says. He seems to think that they're now where they need to be. And, you know, when he said that in the past, they've come out really strong in their next game. So that's what I'm expecting, a much cleaner game against Vancouver. Sounds good. I'm betting the unders. (laughs) (laughs) That's – yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, so let's wrap it up. Um, Yeah, so I just want to thank everyone for listening tonight. Um, Filling in for Scott. He should be back in the next episode, but – Thanks, Russ. Thanks, Joe, for joining me. Uh, I'm Ryan Sykes. Go Kings, go. Have a good night, everyone. Good night, everyone. Go Kings.